I'm here with Farhad from uh, Noura. Yeah. So, tell me, who are Noura, and what is your, what are you working on at the moment? Uh, so, <clears throat> Noura is an Australian uh, company that uh, makes the Neurophone, which is uh, our first product. Uh, and Neurophones uh, create personalized sound mm-hmm. for every single person. So the idea of personalized sound is uh, that everyone hears differently. And uh, we want to make sure that everyone <clears throat> basically enjoys the music as much as the artist really intended for them to enjoy. So, uh, and because everyone hears differently, all we're trying to do is to uh, compensate for the different hearings that are out there. Okay. So everyone understands the depth of the music. I mean, so I'm currently having some hearing problems, but I always have done. Can you take things to that level, like actually helping people who have uh, reduced hearing capabilities or anything like that? Or mm-hmm. um, So Neurophones will run a really quick test, mm-hmm. and it's an automatic test that uh, will understand everyone's hearing. And ye- to answer your question shortly, they can compensate for some hearing loss but it really depends how much yeah, damage has been done yeah. so if uh, up to some percentage they would be able to sort of correct for that but then after that yeah. if you really need some yeah. medical no, sure. attention yeah. <laughs> there's nothing we can do about it so I'd be interested you know, as an ex-musician myself but in a, not in a particularly high precision genre um, but I'm interested to know like what is enhancing I mean, there's, we've had stereos for a long time that boost signals here and, and things like that, and sometimes it can end up making, especially older music, sound a little strange or not quite right or possibly too polished sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, what do you... Like, I, I'm not necessarily asking you to give away your IP, but what are you actually doing to the music? Are you boosting certain signals? Are you, like, what, what does personalization mean versus kind of enhancing? Sure. Um, so basically every time a signal enters your ear, mm-hmm. it goes through your ear canal, your eardrum, and then there are three little bones that connect it to the cochlear. And that's where the, like, the sound signal is changed into an electrical signal that sends your brain. At the same time, your cochlear produces a very tiny sound that comes all the way back out of your ear. And we are able to pick up that tiny sound. Uh, that tiny sound has all the information about your cochlear, your sensitivity, your eardrums, the physics of the different bones, and your ear canal. Mm-hmm. So all we are trying to do is to try and maximize the information that goes from the source of the sound, which is whatever you're listening to, to your brain. So we're not trying to change the music. We're not enhancing any features. All we are trying to do is to give your brain more information about the music. And that's why you would have a better uh, feeling and you would enjoy it more because your brain is receiving more information. Still, sound, it, it, like I sort of understand what you're saying, but it sounds hard to really... Um I'm actually almost interested in how how you sell this to people because it, it seems like something that's hard to to understand quite what this means and quite what effect this will have. Um, so the science behind it is basically what is used um, <clears throat> for newborn babies. Okay. Uh, 
to test their hearing because you cannot ask a newborn baby whether they sure. hear something or not. Yeah. But you are still able to measure it, and that is called like there are two different uh, methods. One of them is called autoacoustic emissions. Mm-hmm. So this is basically what happens: that you send some signals in, you listen to what comes out, and then you realize how they're hearing. So we do that for the music. So at, um, when you start uh, using the neurophones, they will run a quick test, and in that test, they just play some sound, and based on the response that they get, they would understand how you hear music, and then they would adjust the music from that from then on to your hearing. What do you adjust? Though? Are you adjusting? You adjust all the different. Yeah. Well, basically, you adjust all the different frequencies for okay. every single person. Yeah. But it's different for every single person. It's like giving everyone uh, a personalized equalization. Yeah. And does it change depending on surrounding? If I'm on a plane or in a quiet room, or does it uh, only ever change once? Yeah. So the neurophones, uh, as soon as you put them on, they have double layer passive noise. Uh, isolation, mm-hmm. so it creates a really quiet environment. But uh, we recommend that you do the test uh, not in a noisy environment because, yes, of course, it does uh, have effects on the way uh, the test is run. But can I have different profiles? Or uh, sorry, what do you mean by having different? Well, like uh, for example, when I'm on an aeroplane, I'm in a very different scenario. My ears are probably different as well because of the air pressure and mm-hmm. things like that. Just yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah, of course you can have, yeah. uh, like, every, even, like, you know, in a... Uh, th- there's some uh, research going on that, like, you know, drinking different things might have yeah. aspects, unlike, you know, the way that you hear things. Yeah. So, of course, you would have different hearing profiles, but um, the difference between them wouldn't be much. And, again, your hearing profile... However, it's different. It would be different from someone else. Yeah, cool. So that the difference is way more distinctive than your changes of your hearing. But it's not a one, a one-off setup. I can do redo the test. Oh yeah, yeah like absolutely. Yeah. So you can redo the test, and the headphones also, uh, like you can store three different. Okay. Uh, right. Okay. Yep. Setups. Cool. Um, so how did you get here? What, when, when was the idea first had and why? And what, what problem was trying to be solved? So the idea started two years ago with uh, Carl Slater and Luke Campbell. Um, so Carl and Luke were both doing their PhDs. Mm-hmm. Carl was doing uh, his PhD in electrical engineering. And Luke was starting to become an ENT surgeon. Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> basically, uh, that's how they, like, Luke knew about the science behind it. And uh, Carl basically sort of, I think, proposed the idea of using this uh, for a consumer uh, electronic uh, device. And that's how like, they work the work closely together. To make the neurophones. And then you went to Kickstarter, I think? Or... Uh, yes. So it was first through like a couple of uh, accelerator programs yeah. okay. and then Kickstarter. Okay. And um, the, the Kickstarter was moderately successful, I think? I would say it was really highly successful. Okay. It was the most funded Australian Kickstarter in the history of Kickstarter what, in Australia. What did that equal? Uh, 1.8 million dollars. US or Australia? US. Okay. 
And I mean, um, I remember when I was living here that uh, I don't think Kickstarter was even available when I was living here. <laughs> so, so we had the local ones like Possible and things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Slightly different. Mm-hmm. So what's it like running a Kickstarter from Australia uh, in terms of, especially, I mean, I guess, firstly, how much um, of your backers were local versus international and sort of trying to keep in touch with the community in, in a very unsociable time zone and things like that? Yeah, so uh, actually, our Kickstarter is a very international, like, we have a really international backer community uh, almost from all over the world, like, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, like really small and big countries from everywhere, like from Africa, Southeast Asia, uh, Middle East, um, a lot of uh, European countries. And of course, uh, North America and Australia are our biggest backers community, which you would assume. Yeah, uh, yeah um, it, like most of our backers are, like in, in terms of the number of the backers, uh, they're from North, Am- North America. Yeah. And then, but if you want to look at it percentage-wise, based on the population of the countries, Australia is our yeah, strongest yeah. <laughs> which is something expected. No, it's great. And, um, when did that finish? When did that campaign finish? Uh, August last year. Okay. And uh, what? Because it's always been an interesting thing with Kickstarters. Like, I think there's some people who are into a Kickstarter thinking that like, they can literally just go in with nothing and make everything and then you realise quite quickly that you almost have to use it as a kind of refund possibly some of the costs you've already done because trying to kickstart with nothing is, is mm-hmm. very hard to convince people so what what had you created already before the kickstarter so as I said when we were involved uh, Nura was involved uh, in a couple of uh, accelerator programs mm-hmm. so we already had prototypes when we started the Kickstarter, but we didn't have a final product, and we also didn't have. We weren't into like you know exactly uh, how to manufacture yeah. the yeah. product. So that, those are yeah. those cost a lot. I know, well, and is, that's yeah, why yeah. Kickstarter really helps. I don't. I think it's the one of the founders of Hacks. I think that I doing this presentation I can't quite remember it was a hardware accelerator out of the US somewhere and we were actually in Hacks but in Shenzhen I think it was Hacks maybe it was maybe Hardware Alley or mm-hmm. if that's another one I can't remember but I, I, mean, I think the, the people behind both those programs would say exactly the same thing that hardware is hard <laughs> it's really hard <laughs> um, and it's incredibly difficult to mm-hmm to prototype to iterate like software you can make changes in an afternoon and push them live and if it doesn't work you just roll it back and off you go but hardware you know if you send something and it comes back not quite right you then have to figure that out you might have to get on a plane to China I'm assuming as in probably 90% of hardware products you're making in China um, and then you have to keep going backwards and forwards and find intermediaries to help you and etc 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 I mean what were some of your I guess, especially considering you're working on a very precision product, mm-hmm. what were some of your biggest struggles during that whole process? Well, we basically, we figured out exactly as I said, that if we want to, because uh, Nurfon are, um, are a very uh, delicate and complex product. 
uh, and we figured out that if you want to change anything, we definitely need to manufacture these in China. Yeah. But if you're not based in China, then uh, every time you want to go, like you know, from Melbourne to China and then come back, it's gonna be first of all, it's gonna be expensive, mm. and second of all, it's not gonna go uh, as quickly as we want. So we basically send a lot of our engineering team to be based in Shenzhen. Okay. And we develop everything there with our uh, with the help of our manufacturing. Okay. Uh, are they still there or are they back? Right. Uh, <clears throat> there's still, like, part of the team is still there. Yeah. And because of the quality control of the neurofans, uh, it's, like, really high. Yeah. So we want to make sure that anything that comes out of the factory is up to neuro standards, okay. and our standards are pretty high. <laughs> and how many have you manufactured so far? Um, I cannot give you the exact okay. number of like how many we have manufactured, but we have uh, eight thousand backers okay. from Kickstarter, right. and by the end of uh, this year, we have been able to, we would have been able to uh, deliver it and fulfill all of those. Okay. Uh, and and we you, you already have an online store. Yes. And are you hoping to distribute wider than that, or are you happy with kind of the the potential of just having your own private store? Um, so we do have an online store, but we ship globally. So we basically sell it everywhere in the um, world. Do you want to distribute through <coughs> Amazon or JB Hi-Fi or local equivalents? Um, for now, uh, the retail uh, policy and strategy is that neurophones um, need a lot of care, mm. uh, and people need to understand them on how they use. And we, if you want to go through retail, then are going to get the attention yeah. that they need to. <laughs> so our idea is that we would have our own uh, pop-up stores around the world. Yeah. And we would be educating our customers. Also, the people who have bought neurophones and will buy neurophones, uh, we're sure would fall in love with them and um, would go around and show them to their friends. So that's the other way of uh, educating the basically population about it. It's interesting you say that because is this a problem in itself in that you have a product that has a very particular aim <laughs> and uh, it does require some. You know, it's not just a pair of headphones that you just put on your ears, turn on the music, and off you go. It requires some setup, which mm-hmm. could potentially be, which is certainly a different experience. Not necessarily a confusing experience, but it's a different experience. And is there this problem of, um, do, you, do you sense this problem of getting bad feedback when just because uh, it requires some work that maybe someone hasn't understood or something like that? Uh, it's interesting that you ask that question because. Um, like we have had a lot of people, especially our backers, who weren't able to, like we have sent the product to them, but they didn't know how to use it. Mm. Like you know, they have never, we have never been with them to show them how to use it. So they have done everything on their own, and all all the time, any feedback that we have got is like you know, these are the best piece okay. of equipment. We've got. <laughs> so of course it's, you're going to say that. It's really. It, it's, it's really interesting because, yeah. you, we, as you mentioned it, we were also a little bit, like, you know, skeptic mm-hmm. about, like, you know, how things might happen. But, first of all, the app is really good. Mm-hmm. Like, it just takes you through all the, the steps. So, really, <clears throat> it's pretty user-friendly. 
and uh, test is done automatic, which is the most important part of the neurophone uh, adjust, adjusting uh, to your hearing. So that basically takes out mostly any problems that might occur. Mm. So you don't have to answer any yeah. questions. You don't have to interact with it. You just sit there and it does the test for you. Well, an onboard, a good onboarding process. I mean, I've worked a lot of my kind of other side of my career in things like developer documentation and developer relations and things like that for technical products. And these are also complex, very flexible mm-hmm. tools. And onboarding people correctly is, is yep. a very is a big challenge. Really. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, I agree. <laughs> um, so, like. Have there been any challenges with uh, either you know, music that is very heavily compressed at source, like you know, mm-hmm. radio-friendly kind of pop hits that are very heavily compressed when they're mm-hmm. produced, or you know, very poor quality music like MP3s and things that are very heavily compressed at delivery? You know, have you come across certain musical profiles that are harder to make sound better in yeah. some respect. so basically uh, when you listen to any music it would sound better on neurophones okay. <laughs> but obviously uh, if your source is not good enough you're not receiving the best experience mm. so we do recommend people to listen to good quality yeah. music of course all the time but still if you're listening to mp3s it would sound much better on a neurophone than it would sound on any other headphones so uh you're like neurophones cannot add to the music yeah. obviously yeah. they cannot really put in anything more into the content that is already there but they would make everything sound better to your ears because basically as i said <clears throat> it's a matter of maximizing the information that goes from the source to your brain mm. So if that information is enhanced, your brain would enjoy whatever is receiving more. And so how does this process work? You have, uh, firstly, you support uh, iOS, Android, and desktops as well? So basically you need uh, the app, which is available on uh, for the iOS and Android Mm -hmm. platforms. Uh, You download the app, you run the test, and basically that test creates a profile for you. So only on phones? I can't use this on a stereo or on a computer. You or... can. So you create your, like you need the app to yeah. create your profile. Right. Okay. Once the profile is created, it's stored on headphones, it's headphones. Okay. and then you can use your headphone okay. to connect it to everything. And we have all the, so it's Bluetooth mainly, and we think a lot yeah. of people would use them Bluetooth, yeah. but we have all the cable connections to yeah. anything analog, micro okay. USB, USB-C, or the okay. normal USB. So... Um, so when you're actually listening to music, the app isn't intervening in any way. It's nope. just for setting up the headphones, and then it's just the normal kind exactly. of process. Yep. Okay, that makes that makes life a lot easier around all the various inconsistencies <laughs> exactly. in platforms. Yeah, and things. Yeah. I mean, I know from my own personal experiences that like audio on Android is a major pain in the ass. <laughs> so, so yeah, we have had yeah. people have had problems with Androids. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. it very much depends. Like, actually, when I was trying, to, I was trying to get an analog microphone, but for um, for this phone, yeah. and with a with Apple devices, of course, you know what the interface into the headphone jack is. Mm-hmm. With Android devices, not only can it vary wildly, you can't even find the information out. So I bought uh, a lapel mic that had a certain <laughs> configuration, yeah. 
and I just had to plug it in and see what happened. And it, it didn't work, unfortunately. But, <laughs> so, so, but there's no way to find this stuff out. And apparently even device to device in the same model can vary. Oh. So it's a real well, yeah. pain. Um, so I guess at the moment your most immediate priority is fulfilling the, the, the backers, or is that done? Uh, so all of them would be done before Christmas. Okay. And we have also sold... Uh, more than our more than what we like you know okay. uh, what we had on the Kikisada we have sold that for 2017 okay. but there's not uh, much of it left so. uh, you can, <laughs> <This is> yeah <laughs> but you can if you order them now you can have them by Q1 2018 okay. and it would be like when I say Q1 it's definitely before Feb okay and then so what's next what's on the roadmap after that well we definitely need to sell a lot more of the neurophones because we really want everyone to enjoy the music through neurophone. Mm -hmm. We truly believe that as soon as you listen to them, and this has been our experience when we showed it around the world in the past six weeks, that as soon as people put them on, they want to own them. Mm -hmm. Because the difference is huge and I think we all believe that music is the universal language that yeah. connects everyone. Along with food and certain other activities. But exactly. Yeah. So it's definitely something that people really enjoy in their lifetime. And we want to give them that enjoyment of music mm. as a really true experience, exactly mm. how most of the artists feel it. And they create it with that passion. Okay. So I guess after during Q1 and after Q1 is mostly going to be marketing efforts and uh, things yeah like but also yeah. we like you know as I said before we will definitely be going around the world again okay um, having our own pop-up stores it was a really good success for us uh, touring around the world with Neurophones uh, this was mainly uh, exclusive events for our backers uh, and like you know some of the friends or the families if they wanted to bring uh, people along we also partnered with uh, Pitchfork Okay. in Paris and Ableton Loop in Berlin uh, to showcase neurophones yeah. to the yeah. people who Makes love music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we are thinking about doing the same things again next year yeah. with other uh, music festivals mm. or like, you know, other uh, music-related or tech-related yeah. partners yeah. and exhibitions. Did, did you actually find any kind of differences between audiences? Like, were people in Europe somewhat more sceptical <laughs> about the idea versus um, other... I really can't say, like, you know, uh, everywhere you go, you always get people who are more sceptical about the idea or about how good they would sound. And that's completely understandable because there has been so much marketing before uh, that has promised people the best sound or the best music, but they have never actually really put customer into that equation. And we are... uh, in the music, at least, industry, we are the first company that are putting the customer into that mm. relation, saying everyone hears differently. And if you don't understand how people hear music, how can you say you're producing the best sound for them? Those are the people that are listening to your music. So you should be basically understanding their perspective. Mm. And uh, so people come in, come along and they don't believe it. Yeah. And yeah. they don't believe that it will sound good. But then well, as they, soon they don't as, believe it will work for them. For yeah, 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 of yeah. course. And then as soon as they put it on, like almost everywhere around the world that we have been, uh, people just fall in love with them. 
And so just uh, you're based in, in Melbourne, in Australia. In fact, you're based in Brunswick, about a block from where I used to live, <laughs> in a building that I remember when it closed down. It's kind of interesting <laughs> to be back here again. Um, and it actually probably doesn't look too different. Because it used to be a, yeah. a clothing. Yeah, so we, have, we haven't changed. Yeah, we haven't changed much. <laughs> like, you know, what's it like running um, a startup in Australia? I mean, there's a lot of ideas here. There's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of um, very dedicated people. But it's also, uh, unless it's changed in my absence, I know that like, tax and government things are not necessarily ideal yep. for for that and it's also expensive here mm-hmm. as opposed to some other cities around the world so how have you found actually running uh, a startup and especially a hardware startup in Australia yeah definitely a hardware startup in Australia is something <clears throat> rare yeah. it hasn't been around much uh, so we are one of the again pioneers in mm. that too uh, but we believe that uh, Australia and also the government uh, is thinking at least towards yeah. a direction that yeah, changing. Yeah. startup and tech, <laughs> especially hardware yeah. uh, tech, is very important. And uh, I think uh, there is movement, uh, especially looking at the, all the accelerator programs yeah. that the yeah. government is funding, uh, which are really helping all the uh, students. And as you mentioned, Australia has got a really good pool of uh, talent we tend to leave. This is the thing. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> which hopefully now yeah. would decide to stay here yeah. and sort of help the both the, like you know, the economy of yeah. the country, which would like you know be growing really quickly if the government yeah. also helps. It's to actually the interesting thing when you talk invest. about hardware because um, in my memory, like uh, Australian manufacturing, contrary to what it is in like a lot of other countries actually sort of finished up relatively recently mm-hmm. um, there were still a lot of factories when I first moved here and people I knew working in them and it was actually a reasonably paid job and, and a lot of them started closing only in the past sort of five to ten years mm-hmm. and for example yesterday I was in Geelong where there was a huge Ford factory which, um, only now are they starting to replace those jobs mm-hmm. and of course you can't I don't think you can really compete with the scale of jobs in a Ford factory, but you can take people who are well used to working with precision machinery and uh, like, like, like it used to be with Nokia in Finland, and then suddenly all these electronics engineers were available yeah. um, and able to work on new ideas and exactly. have an influx of potential talent. So we, we're really hoping that like, you know, <clears throat> as we grow, like uh, Nurok grows, uh, we would be able to uh, employ more Australian talents mm. and we would definitely be thinking about uh, bringing some part of the like, you know, manufacturing into Australia as well. Okay. So, uh, which, uh, again, it sort of depends on like, you know, how much the government would be willing to help us in that. Yeah. But <clears throat> we definitely think about yeah. that Australia <clears throat> is a great country and it has a lot of potential. It just hasn't been used yet. I'm really looking forward to it. Maybe. <laughs> so, just in summary, what would be... Yeah, let's start. What would be your top three bits of advice for anyone starting a hardware project? Ooh. <laughs> Top one. That's, really, really, that's a really hard question to answer. Um, well, dedication, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it would be hard life, so you really have to be dedicated to the idea, especially with hardware. There would be so many challenges that you haven't thought about, and <clears throat> you basically would come into like you know, big walls 
yeah. when you're doing hard work. So dedication is a must. Some sort of belief in yourself. Yeah. And because, especially when you're doing hardware, like when Neuro started, and it was a head, it's a headphone. Like basically, that industry is like in the music industry and yeah. headphones, although the next generation of <clears throat> headphones. But a lot of people would tell you that you're doing things wrong, mm. and this is not the way to do it, and you shouldn't be doing this, or there's no way that this could be done, yeah. or that like other people have tried and have failed. So. Believe in yourself and in your idea. If you think something, uh, if you believe in that, I mean, like, obviously you should know the science. But if you know the science and if you know the engineering and if you know something will work, believe in yourself and just keep doing it. Everyone else would always praise you later. Yep. But, like, with neurophones, we have come up with so many different uh, challenges and so many different challenges have been solved that yeah. we never even thought that these could be solved mm. in the industry. And for anyone, um, the same question for anyone wanting to start uh, a new idea in Australia, or would it be kind of the same responses? Um, I think it would be like, you know, th- at least these two things would be sort of worldwide. Um, in Australia, you might just need a bit more, uh, hopefully, um, support from uh, the people that you know uh, so yeah I mean like you know keep your relationships really good with the people around you because they would really help you and it's when a you smaller need community so yeah if you upset someone <laughs> it has a bigger impact <laughs> yeah, yeah. Agree. Cool. or like you know it could be actually a much bigger impact if they help you yeah. <laughs> so. Excellent. So how can people find out more about Neurophone? Uh, yeah, they can go to our website, www.neurophone.com. We have all the information there about the Neurophones. We have a really lovely customer service team. You can always contact them at info at neurophone.com if you have any questions. You can also follow us on our Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter account. They're all uh, at Sign Neurosound.